You're listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast. For more on Screening in Kingston, more episodes, info about our movie clubs, and a lot more fun movie content, visit screeninginkingston.com. It's November, and that means it's the CFRC annual funding drive. It's on right now, and you can go to cfrc.ca for all the details. CFRC is celebrating its 100th anniversary in 2022, so they're trying to raise money to update all their equipment to continue to bring you great programming like screening in Kingston. So make sure to go to cfrc.ca and donate if you can. Okay, screening in Kingston, take two. Yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> the Our fans, fans don't, <laughs> the they fans, don't know what just happened. <laughs> but they love to know the behind the scenes. And we got an error that said we were disconnected from the server. And Mike and I are not in the mood to lose audio. So we're trying it again. Wish us luck. <laughs> we were having a nice conversation too, but I feel, yeah. I do feel like it would be fake to us start over again so we're gonna yeah. have to talk about something else what we were talking about and what we can continue to talk about was like christmas shopping and when you do that and i was saying well i do it usually in december and, and i don't mind crowds but you were saying even before covid you weren't a big fan of all the crowds and the, the hustle and bustle around it no if i could have my christmas shopping done by october that's ideal i uh mm-hmm. and now you know i i know you're not supposed to but i like shopping online and but now I've missed a lot of the cutoffs for it being delivered by December because of all the stuff that's happening out mm. west and you know COVID delays. So I don't know what people are getting. They're gonna get like a jar of jam and like whatever I, whatever I can find in my junk drawers. That's what people are getting for Christmas. Well, I can tell you that for the first time ever, I'm actually ahead in my Christmas shopping. Mike, you're making actually, me feel worse. I accidentally <laughs> have three Christmas presents already done. That's pretty so. good. That's pretty so good. I go. have a big whopping zero. But if it makes you feel any better, Taylor, I'm not going to do shopping this week. I probably won't do shopping next week. And it'll be somewhere around it'll the be crunch time where I'll be like, oh, yeah, I have like seven more people to buy for. So, yes, it'll be uh, it'll be crunch time. My, my biggest issue is. Sometimes I come up with the perfect gift for someone and then I can't top it ever again. So I, I just don't know what to get them. And sometimes what happens to me is in my mind, I have the perfect gift, but I can't find it and nothing will do but that perfect gift. You know, <laughs> that happens to me too. Yeah. I uh, I almost want to, people are going to hate me. I want to just make donations in people's names this year. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't think the gift receivers like that. <laughs> some some do and some don't. And speaking of which, you know, today, as people are listening to this podcast, or if you're listening on CFRC, it's actually Giving Tuesday, which is the not-for-profit day that happens after um, all the, the Black Friday sales, where it's often you can give, you know, give to not-for-profits and charities. And it's a good time to mention that CFRC's funding drive is still going on right now. So if you do have people in your life who would like maybe a donation in their name, or you just feel like giving to a really good cause, CFRC's funding drive is on now until the end of December. You can go to CFRC.ca and get all the details, help them celebrate 100 years in 2022 by upgrading wow. equipment. <laughs> That's what they want to do. They want to upgrade equipment, which makes sense. Like the, you're going to be around that long. You got to get your equipment upgraded, oh, yeah. um, but that's how they want to celebrate. So it's a good cause. It's not that you're not donating and then they're throwing a party. You're donating and they're getting great equipment. That's going to help them continue to do the programming that you listen to right now. So for another hundred years, it'll be our animated corpses, our reanimated yes. corpses doing the podcast. Well, okay, Taylor, I don't know. This is perfect. If we lose this episode, I'm going to cry because what you just said works so well into the first fan question we have. Really? What you just said. I don't know how, but sometimes this happens. We're we're in so sync. I swear to our audience, we don't plan a thing. (laughs) This just happened. Our first fan question, I'm just going to quickly jump into it because of what you just said, Taylor. Yeah, go for it. The the kind of animated corpses. Well, Akil 
writes in and he wants to know what our thoughts are on actors getting reanimated in form of CGI individuals, even though they've uh, passed away. Um, He says, I've noticed that this has been a trend in Hollywood, more so in sci-fi and fantasy, but there's a lot of talk, at least going around, of deceased uh, actors getting getting kind of reanimated, he put that in quotes, um, in order to perform in various movies. The most recent example um, would be someone like Princess Leia, um, who was in one of the Star Wars movies and basically appeared um, as a CGI character, even though she had passed away a few months earlier. So his question is, what do you both feel about that? Do you think that that makes sense? Is that right to have people who are passed away appear as CGI uh, characters in movies later? Um, and that's from Akil, And that kind of works because what you were saying, Taylor, is that in 100 years, you and I won't be around. But could CGI versions of us be around? Yeah, the AI, the AI version, our consciousness have been uploaded to the server. And they just continue the show. (laughs) And it would be in our voices, because what they do is, is when they reanimate these, these performers for movies, they're like taking dialogue or things they've said, so it's in their voice, and just recutting it and putting it together. So it, it kind of makes sense. And it, uh, to me, that's really weird. Like, I don't, I don't think I feel great about that personally. I don't, I don't like strange. it. I don't, I don't even like when they de-age actors with CGI, which has kind of been a new trend, like probably what in the last five years, maybe mm-hmm. they've been doing that. Um, and I think we talked about that on the show before. I, uh, I'm kind of anti-CGI to begin with. I'm not. I don't love CGI. So the fact that they're CGIing actors is bizarre to me. Like what they're going to make a movie and they think, oh, the perfect lead for this is James Dean. So we'll just CGI him in. Like, I don't know. I think it's gone too far. Just like how you can, um, all of that deep fake video, like, you know how they, they can deep fake video now. It makes me. Oh yeah really uncomfortable i don't like robots i don't like the idea of artificial intelligence i (laughs) so i don't i don't like it i don't and i definitely don't like that de-aging process so this was something that i kind of this is a little bit of a tangent but i wanted to bring it up and i don't know if we'll have an opportunity to talk about it soon so have you seen the new trailer for the pamela anderson and oh what's his name but the new pamela anderson movie with Lily James and yes. Sebastian Stan. Stan, yes, um, I have seen the trailer. It looks like they've CGI'd Lily James. Lily James's face, because there's um, no way she looks like that much like Pamela Anderson. I, yeah, I mean that was one of the first things I noticed was was I can't believe Lily James looks that much like Pamela Anderson, but they must have done something to her face. They've I done didn't know if it, something. I thought it was prosthetic work. Like it looked, that is you know really like, like good. It, it didn't look, yes, but it looked like it didn't look. You know, I don't even know the right wording for it. But there's just something when you look at CGI that you know it's like wrong. There's just something yeah, where the it uncanny valley. <laughs> yes, that that kind of effect. Whereas with Lily James, I just thought like, oh, that looks like a really bad job someone did. Get, like like Botox, like that's what my thought was. Like, oh, on purpose, they made it look like she had terrible Botox because that happened to Pamela Anderson. So that that's what I thought was like, oh, they this is like they're doing stuff. But it, I guess my brain accepted it more because there's so many bad Botox stories out yeah. there that you see examples of it. So I that's why I thought it wasn't CGI. But if it is, yeah, that might be going going a bit too far. Um, because boy did did she look like her like (laughs) like, uncanny like uncanny resemblance and lily james does not look like pamela anderson outside of makeup like if you just look at a picture of lily james you would not your first thought would not be pamela anderson i mean they're both beautiful women they just don't look alike in real life now sebastian stan on the other hand (laughs) um he he looks a lot like what's his face tommy lee (laughs) tommy lee yeah yeah like i think they look a lot anyways so that was great casting yeah (laughs) even if it was just like it just whatever it just works like you don't have to do much 
Um, and I thought that that was that was pretty good casting. But yes, when when I had heard Lily James was playing Pamela Anderson, I was like, oh, that's not really. She's so a good actress. Like I'm, I'm actually looking forward to that movie. Um, I acting yeah. wise, sure. I just I also agreed. I didn't think she looked anything like her yeah, until so, that trailer, and I went, "What is going yeah, on?" Weird, weird, <laughs> uncanny valley, weird. Yeah. So I guess like I don't know. Like we think that most people think that airbrushing in like magazines is pretty unethical. Like I think that's like. A widely held opinion with the amongst the public like airbrushing and altering photographs in magazines and social media that's bad because it leads to you know um uh, bad body image like all of this stuff right like we know this like there's been sociological studies about it so why would we do that in film like why would we alter all actors i don't know yeah i think it's like an ethical dilemma that i haven't put too much thought into but enough thought that i don't like it if some to me if someone's passed away if they're dead you shouldn't be able to bring them back on film regardless of what their family says like all i think about is i don't know why as a society we default to well your family can make decisions on your behalf even if you're deceased if you're not around to be able to give consent to do something, then the thing shouldn't be done. It's as people simple are, as that. Mike, people are going to have to put that in their will. They're going to have to say like, and after I die, do not reproduce my image in yeah. any way. <laughs> oh yeah. I would put in my will after I die, please contact no one who is connected to me in any way and ask them anything that as regards to my life. Because I'm dead and I don't want any more decisions being made <laughs> on my behalf because there shouldn't be any. Because and, <laughs> like, obviously people are making money, like, estates are making money off of a, a dead person. Like, that's creepy. I guess, like, at the end of the For day, sure. I just find it creepy. That's, and that's how I feel. Yeah. For the like reasons the- you just said. For the reasons you just said about the James Dean thing. You're telling me we can't find anyone, anyone to play a role. You have to go find James Dean. Like you have to to spend all this time and money. You can't find an actor. Yeah, be more original in your thinking. I just don't. I don't like it. <laughs> I think it's weird. And yeah, other people might be okay with it, but I'm definitely not. Just like I don't. I would never go to one of those hologram concerts. You know, they did like a Tupac hologram concert and i think they talked about doing it with prince yeah that's that's just listen to an album at home like it's not you know what it is it's not real we have gone so far that no one can experience realness anymore you know actors getting old actors dying that's the facts of life don't alter the film to Anyways, I obviously have a lot no, of emotions about I, this. <laughs> yeah, no, I I agree with you because like I hey I'm in I'm understanding that like when it's very it's very sad especially when there's someone who's remember your family iconic close to you someone's or, iconic yeah. someone who means something to you just for everyone who passes away like a hundred percent I completely understand that but there is something morbid and strange about it where they they're gone. It's unfortunate. A lot of people loved Prince. A lot, like a lot of people loved Carrie Fisher, her family, her friends. I'm sure anyone would give up anything in that position. Like, I just want to have one more conversation with this person. And I can understand that. But you're not because they're gone. You're having a conversation with something that's not them. And you're seeing something that's not them. And I kind of, I do kind of agree with that. I think it, it actually could. To me, I think psychologically it could do more damage to someone than than it it could help them. Now we're getting into like existential questions about like mortality and stuff. But I do, I do feel strongly that we live in a culture that like, because we don't talk about death, people can't accept it. And that's unhealthy. So I don't think, yeah, anyways. And I I think this conversation fits to me because we, we forget sometimes and my 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 robotic nature is meant to remind people <laughs> that this isn't real. Films are not real life. 
So you're talking about taking a moral issue and shoving it into a film. It would be like, you know, is it is it uh, is it okay to to actually physically stab someone in a movie in order to make it look realistic? No, it's not under zero circumstances because that's when the to me the walls break down and that now this is a societal issue. We do too many things to take sports, arts, recreation and like put it above society and like no no it has its own rules. No, it doesn't. So the, to me, this conversation makes perfect sense because the point Akil's bringing up to me has nothing to do with filmmaking because the conversation with filmmaking ends with that person's passed away now. We can find someone else to play the role. We can do that. That's that's what you should do. You've got to move forward and that's it. So there you go. And um, that's that. I thought that question just... Yeah, I thought that question just kind of fit in with what you were saying. So we kind of jumped into fan questions quickly, but uh, we do we have a lot to get to today because this is 90s day, if you can't tell. Uh, this is We're talking about uh, a couple movies that we liked in our childhood, and we had the other person watch it and review it this week. So it's kind of cool, kind of interesting. Um, I have I have a couple cool things to say about that and a, and a kind of little list to go through. But before we do that, let's get to uh, the final fan questions we have. Um, so Josh the Inquisitor sent two emails, and I don't think he remembered that he already sent in an email. So we'll read them all. He's such um, a champ. <laughs> yeah, so he sent two. He wasted, wasted <laughs> questions on double questions this week, Josh. I don't think he meant to send two, but here we go. So his first question is, is it too early to start watching Christmas movies? Normally, I would say yes. But I broke my own rule and watched a Christmas movie like two weeks ago. Did I review it? It was called Love Hard. I don't know if I talked about it on the show. No. Probably because we've been doing our, um, this series. But I don't know. I was like flipping through Netflix and it like came up, you know, starts auto playing the friggin commercial so you're sucked in so i got sucked into the commercial i thought okay i'll watch it and it was pretty good i would recommend it if people are looking for a christmas watch right now look up love hard on netflix so anyways i uh i broke my own rules so who am i to give any advice on whether or not it's too early even if i feel like it's too early i watched one anyways so who cares it's COVID. Do whatever you want. <laughs> do whatever you want. Yeah, I guess I, I feel the same way you do. Do whatever you want. Um, for me, it's a little early. I, I probably, again, probably around the 15th, 16th of the month, it'll start feeling more more Christmassy. You know, they said they've, they've done a study that people, I didn't read the study, so don't quote me. <laughs> don't come for me if it wasn't peer reviewed. But they did a study that people who put up their Christmas decorations earlier are happier. So if, like we said, if you want to watch a Christmas movie, knock your socks off. Don't let society, if you want to watch a Christmas movie in July, go for it. Who's to stop you? If it's going to bring you happiness, do it. You know, I think that if anyone's going to at you for anything that was talked about today in the show, I don't think it's your take on, on the Christmas time of movies. I think it's the <laughs> conversation on death we had for 10 minutes. <laughs> like, I was just thinking about that while you were talking. Tonal, like, oh, yeah, I guess people could say that, but I don't Tonal know. whiplash. Going well, you know, from- it's funny because we just went from being like, don't bring people back from, from the, the dead, dead for movies to being like to, for you being like do whatever you want if it makes you happy <laughs> like, so if you want to reanimate james dean's, re-animate. dean's corpse in the next christmas movie <laughs> go, go for, for it, it. <laughs> now there's a movie there's a movie a couple people try to reanimate the corpse of james dean yeah that would be a movie um josh's next question is really actually i think a good one for the movies uh, today. So I don't know where that other random question came from because he's normally very good at, at hitting what the topic is. Does he have, um, maybe he has things on like s- scheduled send out, you know, he had scheduled oh, his You mean he sits down for an hour and, <laughs> and just like, like okay. bangs yeah. out 12 questions and yeah. then doesn't do it. Yeah, maybe. And then yeah, schedules maybe. them. And he uh, scheduled his Christmas question at a wrong time. Yeah, but... a little early. Um, so this question is, do you think child actors are able to transition to successful adult careers 
on talent alone or they or did they need to be involved in a highly successful movie um i think family the only reason family that's true like to me talent's the only reason why some of them do stick around because some of them who get into really successful movies you never hear from again so yeah i don't think the success of the movie matters i i think it's more because it's hollywood i think it's more as people age their look their voice everything they do their mannerisms change so much that what you could do and why you were of interest to hollywood when you were younger changes a lot as you get older so it doesn't like it doesn't happen for everybody some people does you get child stars who become very popular and very famous and continue to have great careers and then you have some who disappear out of nowhere yeah, and I would say the ones that disappeared probably weren't talented or they didn't want to make movies anymore. Because if I'm trying to th- I'm trying to think of celebrities that were child actors but are now or who are acting, who I'm kind of like, Meh, you know, like who are like, oh, they're not very good. But the ones that have stuck around are usually good, are usually good. Like mm-hmm. they might not necessarily be my cup of tea, but like people like them, like Natalie Portman. Um, Christian Bale. Yeah, yeah. Um, Even Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah, like they... And then the ones that weren't so great, you know, they petered out or they had their problems or like whatever, right? So Or they pulled a Macaulay Culkin where he just wanted to be in a band. Yeah, yeah, do his weird thing. Although he... (laughs) His his brother's a big actor and now he wants to be in a band. (laughs) The Culkins. But, um... Macaulay is um, getting back into acting. He was in the the last season of American Horror Story and oh, okay. got pretty good reviews. I'm a big Macaulay Culkin fan. So when people are like, he's weird, he did drugs, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, whatever. I'll ride or die for Macaulay. I'll support him all the way. Like he, one of his last roles before he took a, his long, long break was Saved. I love that movie. And I think he's absolutely fantastic in it. Um. But again, this is I've this, seen, that, seen that one. Yeah. It came out saved? and it's saved. Yep. Yeah. And it's hmm. it's about a Christian girl who thinks that she can convert her boyfriend from homosexuality by like having sex with him. It's a it's a like dark comedy. And like obviously I it, they do not condone that. Like the movie is Mandy Mandy Moore. <laughs> Yes, Mandy Moore is in it. Great movie. Great movie. And uh, what's her name? I think Jenna. Jenna Jenna Malone. Yeah. Jenna Malone. It's got a good cast. Um, But yeah, I don't know. Macaulay, he gets a lot of flack and I think he doesn't deserve it. He's one of those child stars that doesn't deserve the flack that he got. He had a hard life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Josh, for your two questions. Uh, We appreciate it. So, uh, yeah, let's get to it. We spent a lot of time talking about death. And we've got two movies we've got to review here for our 90s week. Because we're wrapping up Fan Appreciation Month. This has been a lot of fun, yeah. Taylor. I've, I've really enjoyed this. we got to give a, a big thank you to Austin, our producer, for putting yeah. this together for Standing us. Standing ovation. Yeah, as always, the categories were great. This was another week that it was, you know, it was somewhat close. But this this one kind of pulled away at the end where a lot of people wanted to, I guess, see what we would watch uh, through our childhood. Um, and we all know how tough this would be for me because I my memory is terrible. Yeah, I'm surprised you could pick. Well, my... I didn't. I, I didn't. I texted my mom and I said, <laughs> what did I watch as a kid? And that's where I first came up with the first two movies that I I had from that were, were 80s movies. Uh, and one of them, Taylor, you discovered it was in the 80s and eliminated it. It so. was right on the cusp. I think for our listeners, if you so Mike had originally picked The Land Before Time, I would have let that pass. Whether our purest uh, fans would have let it pass, I don't know. <laughs> but that's no, they would my my cousins um, definitely had the VHSs like all through the nineties, and like I wouldn't yeah, associate I, it because yeah. it came out in eighty nine, I think. I I would have watched it in the 90s, even though I was born in the 80s. I was born in the late 80s. So by the time I was watching movies, it would have been in the 90s. But I did want to pick a film that actually came out in the 90s. But I, I'm going to read off a list here because I got I I asked my mom this question and I got about 29 text messages about it. 
So here, here's all the various movies that I, I didn't select because I had already chose Hook by the time I got the rest of these because I thought, OK, like Hook, Hook was one that I remember watching a lot as a kid. And I felt I felt like it was more in line with if we're trying to understand, like, what what did I like when I was young? Right. I felt like that that was the best one. But he, but here, here are the other ones that that all would have been good, actually. Iron Giant. Yeah, that's a Mike movie. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Apparently, I oh, that that's a good one. That's a good one. It's a very good one. Uh, Free Willy, which I completely forgot about. <laughs> that's an <laughs> iconic. Like, oh, that's definitely an yeah, iconic I 90s. <laughs> yes, and I should have picked Free Willy. <laughs> Had I not picked that, Free Willy would have been my choice because that I definitely watched that one. And then here's another one. This is another one that I, I watched. I didn't remember until I, I got the text. Homeward Bound. I didn't even remember the dog, the dog and the the cat. Yeah. The dogs and the cat go on the adventure. Yeah. Um, So that was good. Uh, Ants. Apparently I used to watch ants a lot. Oh, I didn't like that Um, one. And the Muppet movie with the pirates. Yeah. Treasure Island. Muppet Muppet, Treasure Treasure Island. Island. Yeah. I had the computer game. Which would also have been a really good one. I had the the computer game. Yeah. Really fun. Really good computer game. Yeah. That would have been another good one. If I could go back, I'd probably choose between either Free Willy or Muppet Treasure Island. But I chose Hook because I think they all fit. Like, definitely that would have been the kind of swashbuckling thing I would have been into, right? Like yeah. the Muppet Treasure Island, Hook, um, those kinds of movies I think kind of kind of fit in that. I thought and you then, didn't so like I, I chose Life. Hook for you. I thought you were hmm? afraid of whales and stuff. I am afraid of whales, but like now... I, my fear of whales started um, maybe about 10 years ago, maybe a little more, when I really discovered how hurt, like horrible and, and, and just monstrous whales are. Um, so yeah, it started more uh, recently. When I was a kid, I guess I, I loved whales. I guess. I don't know. I watched sea Free Willy a lot. Pirates. That's all I know. I know. All I know is I watched Free Willy a lot. Uh, pirates, sea life, yeah. Which now, like, you cannot get me on a boat. So, uh, it, it was. It's more later in life thing. Whales are just so unpredictable and large um, that I just, I, it's, it's overwhelming. I can't, I can't get on board for it. Fair enough. Um, so I, and then, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, for you, your selection process. You can talk a bit about that. Your, your pick, though, I think is extremely like everyone would know exactly what you would pick. Originally, I wanted to pick Nightmare Before Christmas, and then Mike gave me some slack that it was not time for Christmas movies. So I thought, oh, better (laughs) recalibrate. (laughs) Um, Because I tried to think of, like, what did we have on VHS that Mm -hmm. I would have watched a lot? And, like, Nightmare Before Christmas was a movie that I watched a lot growing up. Um, And when you picked Hook... We also had Hook on VHS. That was one we watched a lot, but I had completely forgot about it until you picked that one. Um, Mm -hmm. So anyways, by order of elimination, I uh, picked The Secret Garden, which everyone on our longtime listeners will know is one of my all-time favorite movies. It remains one of my favorite movies. And then my honorable mention was The Little Princess, which we also had on VHS. And mm. we kind of watched those interchangeably, but the little princess right. really scared me. So I didn't watch it as often as the secret mm. garden. There's like some scary uh, was, scenes in the little princess. As I was watching the secret garden, I, I, the whole time, all, <laughs> yep, this is the Taylor movie. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> oh yeah. You, you must've loved this movie. Watch it all the time. Like it's just everything about it. I don't even, I don't even know. Sometimes you know how you just watch something. And you just know, oh yeah, this is this oh, yeah. person. Yeah, they this like movie that. Was made for them. Yeah, um, yeah. The Secret Garden is very much, very much a you movie. I, I have to say, it didn't quite go in the direction I thought it was going to go in. I was convinced that this movie was going to end in a much more sort of um, magical way than it did. Like it, the whole time, it had this kind of air of of something happening something going on whimsy yeah like that whimsy and that 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 magic in the air and something's happening and i honestly to complete the tailor no it's very real i thought these kids are going to be ghosts at the end (laughs) 
these kids are going to be ghosts. Like that, I thought the little girl, I thought it was like, well, she's, she'll be a ghost. This will yeah. be about uniting this guy with his, with his father. Yet she'll be a ghost. No, it's about <laughs> <But> no. like, <laughs> they wouldn't call it trauma. The book was written like at the turn of the century, but it's like about sad children who, you know, learn how to love despite <laughs> sad circumstances because it's well, based on I a book the, yeah yes and I think you can kind of tell that it's based on a book and I felt that what I liked about the movie was I thought the use of of this garden as kind of the overarching metaphor for the whole movie made a lot of sense of thinking it's dead but then realizing no there's there's like there's green under the surface and then like bringing this garden back and it being Tending. a place to kind of... We have to tend yeah. people in our lives. Exactly. Yeah. And and the, that idea of of the the little boy who, who, you know, who's ill, who's staying in bed. And the idea of her being like, just like with the branch. No, beyond, uh, underneath all of this, you're still, you know, you're still a little kid. You're still adventurous. You're still alive. There's life within you. You just have to you know, you have to tend to it. You have to get out. You have to do things. And I, I kind of like that. Like, I thought that that made the movie kind of, you know, nice and in, in that way. And I could definitely see, like, little little tiny Taylor being like, yeah, I'm totally into this movie and watching it all the time. Because there's an, I think there's enough of that, that whimsy and magic to it. That it's I feel a pretty, like I understand it's why. It's pretty, you know, mm-hmm. like, as like a little kid, you don't know cinematography, but like, you know what's pretty. So like, the scene, the opening scene where they're like dressing her, like doing up the buttons. Like as a little girl, you're like, ooh, like I wish I had someone to like dress me up fancy. <laughs> so like all of that stuff is. Uh, and you you yeah. can't beat a, a, a Maggie Smith in the most Maggie Smithy role you could. You oh could my gosh, she's in Hook too. <laughs> she is. She's in. Yeah, she's in Hook. Yeah, she's Maggie Smith is all over the place. I okay. forgot she was in Hook. And I said this. <laughs> I said this to Dan. So like in Hook, she plays like a 90-year-old woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and Wendy. then Yeah, Wendy. And I said to Dan, like, Maggie Smith has looked, and I apologize, this is a little offensive. I don't mean to be ageist, but I'm gonna say what I'm gonna say. She look has looked old as dirt literally my entire life. She's one of those actors, and there's more examples out there. But they've always been this age. It just seems like that. You're also like, uh, also credit to her. She hasn't really aged much since these movies. No! Like she's been old, but has stayed in the same yeah, like, state. Because you could swear, like for our younger listeners, most people will know Maggie Smith is McGonagall. Yes, from Harry the, Potter. That's where most of our younger people will. And then some maybe Downton Abbey. She's on Downton Abbey, I think, right? She does look older in Downton Abbey. I will give her that. Yeah, so, and that's, that was, like, very recent filming all that. But Maggie Smith, when, when like, you and I were younger, was in all these movies, right? Like, she was always appearing in all these movies, like, in everything. And And she's, like, Sister Act and all these movies that that she was in. And she's always looked these exact same. Mike, you know what's (laughs) hilarious? She, I'm pretty sure Hook came out in 91. So, two years before Secret Garden. So she plays yes. an and she plays older a much woman. woman. Yeah, yeah. She plays, yeah. She's older in Hook than she is. And yet she's just, yeah, old. It just works for whatever reason. Like she is a very believable 90 year old woman. And then, she, I don't know, she's probably playing someone who's like 60 in Secret Garden. I don't know. She's like the housekeeper. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah she's probably so in funny. Like 50s, 60s. Yeah. Yeah. It is very funny. And that's the thing, like 90s. Maggie Smith, you think of her and you think of like, yeah, she's she's probably in her, you know, maybe early seventies, late sixties, but but she's older, right? Like she's she's older, and yet she looks the same now. Like she's done a great job. She's just Good for her stayed around, and and again, like the this was think about this. This was ten years before like Harry Potter came out. Yeah. <laughs> she was in these movies, and then ten years later, she's still doing movies, and she did like eight of those movies and was in all of them. So yeah, it's, uh, well, it, it's kind of nice. It, it's nice to see Maggie Smith and, and stuff. She's, she's always been great. For reference, I'm turning 30 this year. She has been 90 for 30 years. For 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, hey, I mean that again. Credit to her. She looked. And, if 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 I can look the same at at seventy and and a hundred or ninety or however old she is, that then you're doing something right. And I think she's a cancer survivor. So all the more power to her. I think she had she was battling cancer during the Harry Potter movies. Yes, I think that was during. Yeah, I think yeah. that was during Harry Potter. And yet she still is. Yeah, good for her is all I can say. Yeah, good for her. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, she was great in Secret Garden. Like just, just fantastic uh, in that role. And it, uh, yeah. Scary. I, again, I can see it. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, is that I, in watching it, I kind of understand why I didn't watch it as a kid. I, I vaguely remember seeing the VHS cover. Like I think, I think we must have had this movie because I can picture the VHS cover in my mind. You have a sister, right? But yes. Yeah. So she yeah, you're, it. yeah. Um, but not that I things are gendered now. But... Well, no, but I mean, that's I mean, this was a time when movies were gendered, <laughs> and and that does often happen where where certain you know boy versus people... boy movies versus girl movies. Where, where people, yeah, people grab on to certain types of movies for whatever reason. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I don't remember watching this if, if I did. Um, but I can see, you know, I can see the appeal to the movie, even though, you know, it might not be my cup of tea when I was younger. But I can kind of appreciate the movie. This is the type of movie that I wouldn't mind watching with kids. Like, I think that there's enough in there as an adult like there's enough intrigue and it's an interesting enough story and it's pretty well written that i i don't think it it ever crosses that line that we talk about with kids movies now where it just becomes annoying and messy um this this was a kids movie to me back when for whatever reason we felt kids were smart and now for some reason we don't feel that way anymore that's mike that so. is what i thought the whole time i was watching hook so hook was a movie we grew up with we had it on vhs we watched it pretty frequently um, it is really sad and like deals mm-hmm. with like very heavy material, but like as a child, like didn't really think just like the secret garden, very sad dealing with like he- very heavy material. And I thought, For sure, wow. which we just don't do in movies anymore. No, no. <laughs> like, well, okay. I should say Pixar does. Pixar's yeah. latest movies have been a little more and, and does, but, but they're up in- until then. There's They're animated. Can, that's true. That's you don't. You, wouldn't you can get see away with stuff. Like a live action. I don't know. You just don't see it, unless no, I did you think do, this. You really don't. I did think like, oh well, like to be fair, I don't have children, so like I'm not like actively in the market for children's movies. But I don't even know. Like, do they even really make live action children's movies anymore? No, like I, I thought about that too. Like, what's the Goonies of today? What's yeah. the what? What's what's Hook? What's the Secret Garden? Even you know, I could keep keep going into these various like made for kids, but they're live action movies that don't really get made anymore. Maybe there was a feeling somewhere that there's an audience, but I do feel like there's a feeling of coddling where we feel oh, 100%. we have to coddle people more than we used to for whatever reason. And I don't know if that's necessarily always true, especially when it comes to movies. Again, I don't understand. Why can't you just explain to your kids it's not real? Like, I, I literally don't understand. You know what it is, Mike? It seems like there's no, there's no, like, older kid to young teen movies, if that makes sense. Because they still make Paw Patrol, yada, yada, yada. But, like, from, like, I don't know, age 6 to, like, 12, what are kids watching? Well, I think some, some maybe on the older end, maybe more like 10, 11, 12, would be watching Marvel. Like, Marvel True. movies, 10, 11, 12, you're going to get something out of it. You might not read into the context as deeply, but I will say, like, children can get something out of Marvel movies. Before that, though, like, yeah, like 6 to 8, 6 to 10, that range, I don't know. I don't know what what kids are watching and and what they would because th- this was what I would have been watching. Yeah, I been this watching is what Homeward Bound, these types of movies. Yeah, Indian in the Cupboard, Babe, Babe in the Big City, oh, Babe. I should have picked Babe. Oh, <laughs> I almost picked Babe. That's I a almost, great. Oh, yeah. Babe's a great movie. That pig running around, sheep farmer, and what's his name's in that? Um, yeah, he was he was in a. I can't. Oh, 
tip of my tongue. You know when the name's on the tip of your tongue? There were two pig movies that came out very close together. One is called Babe. And then I think the other pig movie is the pig's name is Wilbur. Let me. Pig movie. Oh, Charlotte's Web. Not Charlotte's Web. Oh, no, that pig's not named Wilbur in there? But that is, yes, that is, that is, yes. But it's another pig movie that I'm thinking of. Pig There's another pig came. movie with yeah. a pig named Wilbur? <laughs> well, I can't remember his name. So let me just Google it very quick. Because there, were, I watched... there was a run on pig movies, you're right. Gordy! There was a run on pig movies for it. Did you watch Gordy? Oh, Gordy. Okay. It came out in I 1994. That, so we no, watched but I, I mean, Gordy I'm familiar, a lot. But, we watched, yeah. but again, these movies were like live action kind of like always like a little bit scary like mm. had scary moments oh, um, babe had a lot of scary moments in it yeah so like i don't i don't know maybe like listeners who have kids because <laughs> mike and i don't or who have like nieces and nephews tell us what the kids are watching these days because i don't think they have good options <laughs> yeah like prior to covid um, like I know my nieces were watching a lot of um, Disney, like Disney was the the big like thing. the classic Disney. But I'm wondering, Disney? yeah, yes, like the classic Disney and uh, some of the newer stuff like uh, Frozen, right? Brave, um, the like Brave, those types of movies for sure were were hitting home. I'm just trying to figure out, like, I wonder what my my nephew who's all like. 13 now i wonder what he's into i know he's into marvel stuff but like what other movies like that's a really good question like what other movies are they watching no idea i think the kids well i guess these kids today this makes me sound so old these kids today today. they can just watch these movies right like you know if their their parents are probably like around our our age or a little bit older so they would have watched all these movies when they were little like I know, like I'll be showing my kids um, the movies I watched when I was growing up. Especially now, like with digital TV, you don't have to have the old VHSs. But yeah, I'm with you, Mike. I don't think movies are as you've talked. You've talked about this a lot on the show. They truly treat the audience like we're the dumbest. The dumbest. <laughs> Yeah, and they, I just, uh, and I, I'm actually really, this is one thing that I'm really passionate about is I just don't think coddling is the right way to go about things. I think that you, in whenever, there's so many stories and, and literature, books that I read, Taylor, books that books. go through and talk about how you, when you dread something, goes all the way back to Oedipus Rex, when you dread something and you do everything you can to avoid it, you're going to create it. Like that was the story. You know how you know Oedipus Rex Taylor, the like the the play. You know who that is. Like you know Oedipus. he has he's in love with his mom. Yeah, okay, but that's not actually that's not actually the point. People always said like the Oedipus complex. That's actually that's all not I know. True. That's all I know because about that, it. because that's not true. <laughs> that's actually not the, that's not what happens. The real Oedipus complex is he finds out a prophecy that he is destined to marry his mother and does everything he can to avoid it and it ends up happening anyway. And right. it's because it's a self- he learned the prophecy that it becomes true. It's a self- As opposed to had he never learned it, he would have been fine. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Exactly. And people always mix up Oedipus Rex and think that's the point of, of the play. It's actually not. The point of the play is if you ever find out your destiny, don't try to avoid it. Because by not trying to avoid it, you'll avoid your destiny because you'll you'll actually have free will. But if you try to avoid your destiny, you're going to end up right back there because you're giving up free will. So there you go. Whatever. Should we uh, should we review these movies real quick? I'm just looking at the time. We are. We are. Uh, no, I sorry. That, that was that. That's mainly my review for Secret Garden. That, that, that's it, Taylor. That was my review for Secret Garden. It was all of that. I know we're running out of time. But we should let- that was my review. We should let kids have the benefit of the doubt. They're smarter than yes. they. I think kids are for. smarter and stronger than we think they are. Um, often even more so because the next generation often has a lot to offer. Um, and they're, I think they're often stronger than we think. So yes, I think. Secret did you Garden, like it? Pretty good movie. Yes, I did like it. Um, would I, is the type of thing that I'd watch over and over again? No, but it would be the type of movie that if I had kids and they wanted to watch it, I'd be fine with. 
because like I, I could suffer through it and it's not that bad. Like there's good things about it. So I did like it, but it's not, it's not like my favorite thing of all time, but it, but I can see why, why people liked it. Yeah. So like I had said earlier, we grew up watching hook, liked it a lot, revisiting it. It stands up. Um, I was shocked to find out it was critically panned when it came out. It really was. Yeah. Yeah. I was shocked because I thought, okay, is it nostalgia? But then watching it again, I'm like, no, like I'm enjoying it. It wasn't like I was looking through it with rose colored glasses. Fantastic movie. I, I think it really I don't know stands what up. Problems are and <laughs> I really like it. I, you know, Robin Williams is fantastic. Obviously, talk mm-hmm. about one of those movies where, like, um, if Robin Williams, you know, now he's passed on, but like at the time. Like, no one could play the role of Peter better than Robin Williams. Like, I can't... I'll take it pick... one step further, Taylor. I can't name an actor today who could play no, it off. I no. really can't. It was it, it's Robin Williams or no one. And I looked at some of the, you know, people who were initially attached to the project. I can't remember now. Because Robin Williams, like, he stands out larger than life. Amazing. Like, amazing in the movie. Um, Dustin Hoffman plays Hook. Had no idea. Does not look like him. He's fantastic. No. Um, he's great. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. The the kids, you know, like kid acting is always kind of hit or miss. I think all of the um, Lost Boys are great, but I don't love the kid that played Jack. But I think it's because of how he was written. It wasn't. Yeah, I I agree. He's the I weakest agree. link in the movie, in my opinion. Yeah, and I I feel like at least you don't spend too much time with Jack. Yeah. Like you, you do like there's the story centered around it, but in terms of the kids, you get to know the lost boys a little bit more. Yeah. Um, which I, I kind of liked. And I think that that's kind of what drew me to the movie too. Like, I'm, I'm glad that like with um, I, what's his name? Pockets um, and Rufio. And like the, you get yeah. to know Rufio. them a little bit more. Which Rufio. Is nice. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I am. Yeah. Even when I was little, I didn't like Jack. Like, I'm like, oh, Jack's such a brat. Mm. He's still a brat. Um, And I, one of the things, another thing I was shocked to learn, Steven Spielberg, who directed the movie, does not like this movie, thought it was one of his worst movies. And he was, he's quoted as saying, if he was to remake it, he would have done all CGI backgrounds. And I'm like, no, that's the, the, the sets are what make the movie so good. The sets give it this magical feeling of being elsewhere, but also this real feeling of this could be actually happening. And that's what makes it scary and interesting. Yeah, like as a kid, you don't want to see... For sure. Like one of the critics said like, oh, it looks like a in a like a theme park. But like, so what? Like... <laughs> Like, I don't Kids know, like, love theme parks. Yeah, like <laughs> I'm I don't know. Like, tell you right now, I, I, I think this is a case of adults not really understanding like what kids like. I don't know. Like I think I love the movie yes, as a kid. I agree. Revisiting it, I think it stands up. I think it's a a good movie. No, I would not do this with CGI. I think the sets were the right choice. Um, yeah, like I don't know, like. <laughs> I don't know. So um, that's my review of Hook. It's It stands up, I would say. It's I, worth, the, it's I worth really, the revisit. Yeah. And I, I, I agree with you so much when it comes to the look of the movie. Like, I think it just makes it in terms of the practical sets and it makes it feel more real, makes it feel more scary. The best movies that we remember today, people seem to forget this. The movies that are iconic are not CGI messes. Like Goonies. Like they're not. Like Goonies. That's but, a perfect but, example of the real set. I, you know how many people clamored uh, what, Market Square to watch um, Crimson Peaks. Back to the Future? What? Crimson oh, Peaks? I thought when they when they transformed Market Square for Crimson Peaks. No, no. I was t- yeah, yes, yes, that did happen. No, I was talking about no, I was talking about when people movies in the square. Movies in the square yeah, okay. when they go. The movies that get the most attention are like Clueless and um uh Back to the Future, and like those movies have a lot of people there. I can tell you right now, people are not 
going to be filling squares and stuff 20 years from now to watch Ready Player One or any of the other CGI messes that Steven Spielberg has created recently. It's the older stuff that's good because it feels real. And I think, I really do believe kids go go to that, say, oh, this feels real. And that's why I like it. It doesn't feel like a video game. It feels like I could be there. I I can almost touch it and feel everything around. And that's what makes it more real. Like the, uh, one of the scenes in Hook that's so, like, has stuck with my memory is this, the food fight scene and that, like, mm-hmm. weird food they're eating that's, like, whipped cream but, like, different colors. Like, as a kid. And he can't see it. Yeah. I loved that. And then. But he can't see it. And then he can and that's, like, the turn. Yeah. You know, he's remembering how to be a kid or whatever. And, um. All I wanted as a little kid was to be able to eat that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, that's not, you don't get that with CGI. Never do I look at CGI food and wish that I could eat CGI food. You know what I mean? So, yes, I definitely, we, we've come full circle in the conversation because we started with the CGI people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I think we end with the really, CGI people. It really does come down to. Like, movies, yes, like, movies are escapism, yes, like, whatever, whatever. But, like, I think in a way, like, I think movies let us touch humanity. Like, they let us be, like, art, good art lets us be more human. And I don't think CGI is getting us closer to being more human. And I don't want to be more robot. So, yeah. Yeah. Used sparingly, I don't mind CGI. Yeah. And I don't have a problem with it. And people know on the show, there's lots of movies I love that have, have CGI in it. I think we're just losing a lot where there are great, like Lord of the Rings, the first Lord of the Rings movie, especially, but all three of them, really, it's a good mix of practical and CD, CGI where I think it works. And I think Lord of the Rings is a film we're going to be watching over and over again as a society for a long time, but we're not going to watch The Hobbit. And yeah. part of what makes it less of a superior movie to me is the CGI. Over CGI-ness makes it look fake and weird. Yeah, like uh, Orlando Bloom. They CGI'd him in The Hobbit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very weird. Yeah, it's Sorry, un- I keep having to mute myself. Hopefully there's not too much background noise for, for people because for some reason they got to clean the street right in front of my place at this exact moment. Well, you know, Canada... Canada in well, and it also never happens. <laughs> like it's only right now. Murphy's <laughs> and my headphones just died, so I'm like trying to hear you off my computer, and I hope it's not interfering with my audio. I don't know. This has not been a great uh, tech day for for me. Which is good for the '90s, you know. We're going. It's true. We're going old <laughs> school. Analog. <laughs> I love it. The old school episode of Screening at Kingston <laughs> doesn't sound great. Nothing goes wrong. We've talked about so many controversial topics today. I, I know. Mean, it's been, We're going to uh, get canceled for months. sure. Yeah. Uh, this would be the episode that would do it. Um, but, I mean, again, I think I think all these conversations are important. And I think they relate to film and the film industry in big ways. Because we often do use these things to reflect back on society. And when people are paying attention. This is what I like about movies and why I attach to Star Trek so much is when people are paying attention to something and you take a moral stance on something or you lead in a, in a, in a moral cause, people will listen. So the power that movies have to draw people in, you could actually lead the society by people will listen to you because of what you're showing. If you show more diversity, people will accept diversity more. I like, I a hundred percent believe that this and is- movies can do a good job of that. We brought this up on the show before. Hook has a pretty diverse cast. Like I know the main characters are white, but this like all of the kids are mm-hmm. pretty mixed. And I think mm-hmm. we brought this up on another um, another topic. Movies from the eighties and nineties had fairly colorful casts. Yeah, there was something that we I remember we talked about this because we were talking about we felt that something changed. And it was more recent than we seem to think it is that there was, there was some diversity and a lot, and a lot more in film to, you know, in, in maybe the eighties, but then through the nineties and two thousands, that really changed. Yeah. And, um, and it, you know, only now are we starting to kind of see that kind of lift a bit. 
side characters or back what do, what do you call those background characters they had more dialogue like you know like yeah like supporting characters you mean yeah like, the, like just, yeah. the receptionist there is no receptionist in hook but i now i'm just thinking like oh the receptionist at the hotel would get a line and they like looked normal you know what i mean like they looked like a normal person somewhere if you're probably right late 90s to the mid 2000s everything got sanitized and like very cookie cutter like you don't see ugly extras anymore yeah like i Um, (laughs) (laughs) oh man (laughs) what an episode um yeah i get but do you know what i mean like not ugly but like people looked like they looked quote-unquote normal like everyday people in the 80s and 90s like for the sure. cast weren't for as sure. beautiful is what I'm trying to say. You you see that in the two movies for sure that we're talking about today. Like you, I, I 100% noticed that in, in um, Secret Garden where things seemed more, again, it just seemed more real, like raw. And like there was a bit of a grunge obviously to like where they were and what was going on. But Taylor, that to me, that made it feel so much more yeah. real and more accessible, which we talk about a lot with film. And we talk about a lot in terms of, the art forms that we talk about on this show can be leaders in accessibility, can be leaders in showing society a reflection truly of themselves. But for whatever reason, something happened. And I think it was earlier than the 2000s. I think it started happening in the 90s where Hollywood shifted and producers got scared or worried or concerned or there was this movement away from like we have to coddle we have to protect we have to shine everything up people can't handle this that and the other and the only thing that can lead a movie is a a leading white male and in the whole supporting cast all the supporting cast and all the extras are white Mm -hmm. that seemed to be the and that wasn't the case before and and yeah it's interesting and and actually one of our early episodes taylor i brought up um this really interesting book that I highly recommend to anyone who's a film fan. It's called Backwards and in Heels. And it's like a history of women through filmmaking. Um, Women who went through filmmaking at like different stages of Hollywood and stuff. And it used to be when film was first coming out, all the production companies were owned and produced and operated by women. And something changed where it became more male dominant. So like, isn't that interesting? How it, even the formation of it, it was very female led and a lot more diverse than than it became somewhere in the middle. Well, then they realized they could monetize it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I am I'm glad we're seeing where I like to me, at least I, I was noting this of films we've been reviewing recently and stuff like we're starting to see more diversity in storytelling, more diversity in casts. And we're starting to, I think, see a little bit more of here's some successful movies that are coming through that are practical. We're going to do this in a practical way as opposed yeah. to overly CGI. So I am, I, I'm happy we're seeing some of that. Like that, um, like that last dual movie is an example where they're mm-hmm. trying to be more practical. Even the movie, I didn't like the green Knight. Yeah. Um, that at least real. they were putting in those efforts, right? Yeah. And I do want to, yeah. I do want to just make a quick note. I'm not saying that, the 80s and 90s were a golden age because certainly movies were not as diverse as they could be. Like still most of the leading story actors would have been white, right? But I I do think that the 80s were better than the 2000s. Maybe I'm crazy. But when I rewatch these old movies, the cast seem more diverse. But... Again, yeah. Maybe no, I, I hey, I, I don't disagree. I think things are getting like I better. would say better now. But I would agree if you were to take the movies that we could talk about early '90s movies, late '80s, early '90s movies, and we could and we could compare them to early 2000s movies. I think we would find the statement you just made is correct. So and you know you. something happened in there. So yeah, it is interesting to go back and, and look at these. We are out of time though, and uh, we hope that everyone uh, enjoyed talking about our many topics today didn't turn us off (laughs) it was all over the place (laughs) but we'll be back next week we're we're done fan appreciation month hey mike real quick real quick what would you give the secret garden oh uh, i would i would give it a i would give it a stream it i think this is a great from home movie night with the family movie hook you can't see in theaters but i would give it a see it if you could see it in theaters it would have been worth it 
There's our ratings. Um, but uh, thank you, everybody, and we'll we'll see you next week. Go see some movies. It's November, and that means it's the CFRC annual funding drive. It's on right now, and you can go to CFRC.ca for all the details. CFRC is celebrating its 100th anniversary in 2022, so they're trying to raise money to update all their equipment to continue to bring you great programming like Screening in Kingston. So make sure to go to CFRC.ca and donate if you can. Thank you for listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast. Recorded at CFRC at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. Queen's University sits on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee and Anishabi peoples. We would like to thank the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences and the CFRC Podcast Network.